0: Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. This is a conversation I had with my friend who is a PhD student in computational neuroscience. He first tells me about a psychedelic trip which tuned him towards non-verbal truths. And we discuss intelligence versus goodness and how my advisor does science for the love of it. Then we talk about the power and peril of fast recent advances in AI and brain computer interfaces. If all human brains were connected into a blazing fast network, what would it feel like to be that singular, giant consciousness? Yeah, so you were saying that how you were remembering your different trips and your different psychedelic trips were about different things, Yeah. and one of them was about language, and the one the thing that you learned from the trip about language is you should not have to explain
1: You don't have to You don't feel like you're obligated to explain everything to the world and maybe I should definitely explain what I mean by that By explaining things to the world, I mean having to formalized thoughts into language because basically the trip i realized having grown up as someone who just tends to be more like values rationality values science maybe values like knowing the truth let's say i just got into this like really kind of deep mental habit or just deep belief that truth only exists in the form of being a written thing yeah. like anything that is worth acquiring as a piece of information should be based on anything that should be part of your prior is gonna be should be representable in english words basically or in you know in in letters and words and in human concepts and then the trip just it was just like obvious like oh wow actually the native infrastructure or the native data structure for the brain is actually the the, the thought which is like kind of this high dimensional object, like it's associative, right? And (coughs) basically it's all relative. You have these, I don't know, I call them atlases or something because of some paper, but you just have these concepts that are these different points or different, like attractor states or something like that. (coughs) And It just so happens that there a lot of those things have to do with things that live in the world Mm -hmm. that exist in the world. And, because you live with other humans and you do things in the three G world and things like that. Wait, right. can I get some water? Go for it. Okay.
0: Wait, will Apolitos. Uh Apologies. Okay, wait. You're uh, you're saying that? Oh yeah. With the second trip, you realize that there's knowledge that does not have to be put into words. Yes, and I guess
1: if just to give, I was going into why that is, but I'll give a quick summary of that. Basically. It, there's only a limited amount or or like a, there's a, a subset of all the concepts you might need are actually shared concepts. They're yeah. like shared libraries in some sense. Yeah. But it's like they're useful concepts to use when you're interacting mm. with other people. Mm-hmm. But that literally there's so many important things that the biggest part of the world you live in is actually stuff that is not the outside world or or representation of the outside world or or social people. Just like how you you think of yourself and just literally almost some sort of hidden state that you can manipulate, like creating some sort of like dark matter memory in your head or like private memory. And in private memory, the things you don't have to speak, basically, you can have an allocation of your memory that are the things you don't have you don't even have to put them in a word representation. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually just allocate thoughts. Yeah. You can just associate smells and things you see or like associate an idea with a way of representing an image or something like that. And you can just hold on to that connection as a memory and yeah. then load it up later. Yeah. And if you try to put it into language, which again, once you go once you go far from certain descriptions of the outside world, which are pretty deterministic mm-hmm. You get preachy lossy conversion from thoughts. You can only give it... What I like to say is, like, language is only a tribute to things like, you know, you can't describe a psychedelic state, for example, with mm-hmm. language. You can only give it a tribute, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can describe the motion of a car or something, like some description that's just, like, objective stuff. Um, yeah, I guess... So that, that trip was very important because then I realized, oh, yeah, I can just... I can make sentences in my head that are just thoughts on top of thoughts that don't actually, like, it's pretty crazy. I don't even know how to describe it. But I just, I'm fine with actually, like, now I notice the things that are not necessarily language sort of stuff. Just just being attentive to just associations and keeping them and using them later and relying on maybe that's what people sometimes call intuition Mm. or just kind of like, yeah, building this, like, lower level mechanism that doesn't have to be explained. Yeah. And trust in that. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, that's a nice one example, like a
0: nice trick. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Because, yeah, I think it's cool because you're very smart, but what you're saying is that that's not the only, uh, like you're intellectually smart. But that kind of the brain uses it's a lot of It's almost orthogonal.
1: The, yeah.
0: Know, it's basically orthogonal. Yeah, that's, like yeah what, that's what I'm saying. Is With, that any, Q- with any fixed IQ, yeah.
1: you should probably be doing this anyway. Yeah,
0: I'm just saying that that part is the cool part. That even though you are like pretty intelligent, a lot of just intelligent people I think would be satisfied with just being intelligent. Like yeah. just being able to deal with those words. I actually yeah. feel like I'm not
1: intelligent enough and I probably have to compensate by like maybe doing like just being more wholesome. Like huh I don't know. Wholesome is the right word. A well-rounded, maybe. Or oh, I, I don't know. know maybe but this is only something that recently I realized. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe I. I don't know. I just want to like be a good human being in general. You know, so mm-hmm. just just be the best version of myself I can be, and be you know be good. You know, leave a nice leave a nice story behind. Do something crazy but good. Like, did you always used to feel that way? Mm, not necessarily. For a long time, I didn't really have meaning, so Mm. I didn't really know what the point was and therefore I felt overall pretty pessimistic about life. And then I realized, oh, like, I felt then, like, now if you ask me, I feel really lucky that I get the chance to be a relatively healthy being that lives in this century and have hopefully many more years to live and learn, like, you know... There's so many steep, you know, there's so many steep, like, uh, valleys in front of me or something that I can go discover, you know, on so many levels, like learning guitar or like Mm. exploring, just the, there's more things, there's more in the world, there's more art than life, and I can just live. The whole life, like, just enjoying art and things like And art is, like, science and everything. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just, like, I don't know. Just, like, optimi- optimistic, over-optimistic
0: kind of way of doing it. Where, like, life is a like, just fun and adventure. Yeah, me too. I think my advisor, Bill, is also like that.
1: Yeah. He seems like, yeah.
0: Yeah, he he's just, just, like, he's kind of, like, having fun. Yeah. You know? So, I notice that when he talks about or explains uh, the science or talks about new ideas... Sometimes the thought crosses his mind and before he says it, the thought has crossed his mind and he loves it. So he's like explaining something and then I'm like, "So this curve would go ha <laughs> It would go down. And like he like laughs before he says it to us. I'm like, "Wow, this guy just cracks up when a satisfying scientific idea comes to his yeah. mind he like cracks up he like starts laughing i was like this guy I just, just know, loves it i dude. think i've
1: noticed that it's just crazy he definitely is someone that inspires this like definitely someone who's in science because he's just in love with it and yeah. just like doesn't actually optimize for status probably as much as just doing yeah. what he loves and just like I just love seeing someone who just does what they do and they do it so casually and, and like, and therefore honestly, professionally, because they take it seriously because they love it. Mm -hmm. And like, it just so happens that they succeed because they're doing it well. And so that's the best sort of success. You know, If, Mm -hmm. if, if, if we live in a meritocratic hierarchy where like person who teaches you the thing or gets to, you know, I don't know, do the thing is the person that does it best, it's even better to have it be the people that do it best because they love it. Yeah. Because then it's just like it it's it's not very common, I think. Even for PIs and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I so feel yeah. like Bill Guys is pretty Yeah,
0: really I think I really lucked type. out. Yeah, I think he's pretty yeah. Yeah. I think he helped me um like I I I saw a lot of like good qualities of a good scientist in him. So so I think they will inspire. They will basically encourage those kinds of qualities in me when maybe I'm a, an advisor. And you're saying that in the last few months has been have been very exciting for AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I that? I would
1: say I recommend... there's this. I don't know. I think it's this guy. He's doing a good job of summarizing what's going on every really, week. He yeah. like, created this like Twitter account called AI Pub. They have like, the um. They just make these, like, weekly threads on the weekend, I think, on what just happened this week in AI. And they go pretty deep. They link to different threads. All of the AI kind of information exchange, honestly, happens on Twitter right now. Mm. So many of, like, the... I don't want to say intellectually driven, but just kind of so, so many of the people who are, like, doing impressive, cool stuff, and at the same time uh, want to talk about it. Mm. Want to, They're usually on Twitter. They're sharing it on Twitter. And... I'll, you know, for science, I love reading threads about all sorts of things. I kept up to date with neuroscience by following neuroscientists on Twitter. And with AI, it's even better. And with AI, you just see papers and threads and videos and stuff. And there's usually every day there's something crazy. Usually in last three months, every week, there's crazy stuff happening. You know, we went from like Dolly to coming out and doing crazy stuff, right? generating arbitrary images to that it being on the wait list and then I got access and it was like doing things with it and people got access and stuff like that and people were talking about it and at some point you know those guys uh, PhD student from Germany just released the Stable Diffusion open source just like a bombshell you know opening I was getting into this whole idea of like oh in a sense for what you can do with it and things like that. These guys just dropped it. That's like a historical I think you know, it's a historical you can actually generate arbitrary natural images from a prompt. And basically it's like you have the model weights were four gigabytes. So basically those guys figured out how to compress really large set of possible images that you can generate. It's crazy. Maybe it's all of it, you know, like that manifold, Mm. you know, uh, in four gigabytes. Yeah. And when that happened, I don't know, less than a month later or less than two months later, after stable diffusion, we we got now uh, video generation. And it's pretty crazy that that happened that quickly. And then people have sped up the model like an order of magnitude,
0: yeah, everything's getting faster Yeah, in the world. Yeah. You know, my ex-girlfriend was very Muslim. And she said that in the Quran, it said that before the world ends, uh, there are certain signs. And one of them is that everything will start getting faster. That if it keeps getting faster, it reaches some kind of a singularity.
1: Yeah, I I'm pretty sure that's how the singularity happens. But just the fact that because the Quran said it. You know, I don't I don't know I don't know if the Quran has much wisdom for like the future, long term future. I feel like we are better equipped to make those decisions than the Quran. But yeah. Quran probably has some nice uh wisdom from the past. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But it does make me a little bit worried that everything's getting faster. I mean I'm I'm doing a PhD program in, you know, doing PhD, hopefully hopefully I
1: will continue doing a PhD in neuroscience yeah. because mm-hmm. things are going really fast. So I'm, uh, I feel that neuroscience is like the actually, be- do doing something good in neuroscience is the best ever terminal possible hedge against AI automation and stuff like that. That's only, but there's also like the other one that's also important. They both have to happen at the same time. Is social economic structure and something like that. But I don't know much about those things. You know. but yeah, things are getting faster. Actually, your, I think maybe it seems neuroscientists don't realize how fast things are going on on the AI side. And how much it will influence the neuroscience research. And how much it will empower. I mean, people already know that it empowers it in many ways. Like things like automatic segmentation of images and things like that, reconstruction of stuff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of parsing through the data Mm -hmm. is happening. But now even things like coding and stuff like that, doing the data science part, you know, will soon become really easy to, I mean, people will know about it once it's not as niche, right? Now you have to go through these hassles and know how to use it and know Mm -hmm. it exists. At some point, you'll have these, like, products that have AI embedded in them. Mm -hmm. They'll be smooth. I think they will empower They will give a lot more leverage to individual, creative people.
0: Dude, I just had a thought. I feel like as our uh, computers Uh become more and more sophisticated, like, for example, what was just a calculator in the beginning. So it doesn't give you anything sophisticated. It just tells you numbers, very objective. Everyone in the world agrees that 8 plus 10 equals 18. Everyone in the world agrees. Uh So it's very dumb stuff that's common to every human. And then you start making the technology more and more sophisticated. So, it starts things like autocomplete. Now, autocomplete is not exactly... There is a, a
1: yeah. subjective
0: component oh, to it. It's going to be super subjective from now on. Yeah. So, I think the uh, the output of technology is start to be going to get more and more kind of Dude, reflecting human... Dude, I, I don't <laughs> know if you've noticed, but I feel like, for example, a lot of the media
1: is crazy that we live in such a world where... The media it looks the, the way it looks, and the 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 different organizations report on things the way, like the official versions of things are so, like it's they're so not real mm. that I feel like you know basically there are enough people who are not ashamed of you know. Faking things or manipulating people at a large scale, in almost dumb ways, but ways that seem to work. Mm. And with AI, like with AI, governments can afford to have like basically a, a human being or three human beings or like three agents for each individual citizen that just read all data and generate things for. Like you can actually, like you can run massive social attacks. You can run massive big you know, you can drive, like, mass social psychosis if you have enough AI and compute.
0: How? How would someone do that? Give, give me an example of how you could drive mass psychosis.
1: Um, there's multiple ways I can think of. So one of them would be somehow using AI for this, like, slow but deep search into, like, simulating somehow possible... How do you optimize for outrage? Imagine it starts just like as these simple mm-hmm. simple mechanism, right? Someone someone with a data set like Facebook data set or Twitter data set, right? A company like that and smart team of uh, data scientists or something can start to build in this like uh, correlations between different metrics and how they affect each other. And maybe AI can use that later on to find the big picture of like how do I like it learns something about every individual. Imagine if Imagine if they start selling you an AI as a service, and now that AI is literally interacting with you and it's free, just like Google search was free. Mm-hmm. But you pay because you're the product. Mm-hmm. And by you, there are be- they're crowdsourcing what a human does in, some sense. Yeah. in a more wider, tighter kind of feedback loop mechanism. Right? So it's almost like you have all these virtual humans right now. Might not be fully humans yet, right? Or like fully, I don't know. Cause I don't know what to say about that. But they can do tasks. Mm. They can get tasks done. Mm. So you have these like workers that don't exist in the background, and companies with compute can afford to scale these these workers. And the question is like, how would you use that for different purposes? How would you use that to help people? How would you use that to prevent people from scamming other people? How do you use that to scam people? Mm. How do you use that to like be a government? How? How would the dictator use AI, right? How would an evil, crazy person use AI, right? And I'm sure there's cre- many crazy would ways, right? You can automate a search for loopholes. You know Jeep Mind also, yeah, a week ago. I
0: feel like they have already manipulated people's minds yeah, at a mass stuff. scale yeah. because people are addicted to their phones. Yeah. Uh, people that, are addicted to the their phones in the a way step. that they were not 10 years ago. 10 15 years ago, these things did not exist, and now if you walk around campus, pretty much all of them are looking at it pretty much all the time. Can you imagine how fast that changes yeah, yeah. within a whole species? It's complete neural, total change in like 10, 10 years, and we are pretending like it wasn't fast. Like, oh, this is just so we're just adapting ourselves to the faster and faster change until. Like, are we going just gonna lose perspective of, ah, uh, like what's real?
1: I think yeah, it, there will be some changes. I'm pretty sure these changes like this, they actually make they discriminate people more in some sense. So some people will be much better off because phones exist. Some people will be much more worse off, and the 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 reversal point between the negatives and positives doesn't have to be in the middle. So maybe 90% will be worse off. I don't know. Okay.
0: But, um, Yeah, man. Uh. I feel like I am starting to become like an old... Uh, like an old geezer because um. I'm starting to become a, a little bit afraid of technology. It's not really afraid of technology but a little bit distrustful of... The pure intellectual part of the mind from which a lot of technology comes. Like I feel like there is not enough spiritual um motivation in the Silicon Valley. Like they just build whatever can be built. I think. Like, does anyone in technology stop and think, we can build that and it will make us money, s- but let's not do I it. I don't think
1: it's about Silicon Valley. In substance. sense. Some people do build things out of their heart and they are thoughtful. Some mm-hmm. people don't. Yes. The the thing is, you just... We inherently... you just I feel like I just have to be okay with the fact that I live in a very stochastic world and literally any dimension you ever pick of anything, there's enough sample of people that will have some sort of normal distribution around a certain mean on that dim- dimension. And uh, the width of that distribution is like wide enough that it's like... Covers pretty bad parts of it and pretty Mm -hmm. good parts of it, right? So, of the there is always going to be some people that happen to be really good builders, happen to be good enough at raising money, happen to be good enough at like hiring people, and also maybe happen to be very evil or like something about them is sick, or they want a lot of control, or they don't care. You know, lots of things of these things are just kind of possible, and so you expect that it will
0: emerge, and people like that will. Yeah, I feel like the way that they are designing the machines to make you stay stuck to it longer and longer—that's one of the evil things. Definitely. Yeah. But they're just—they're just doing it for their own personal. Being. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I think I just—I
1: uh, got to the point where I—I I find it better to think of it from the perspective of just like. It's like a game theoretic scenario. There's always going to be players that are trying to hack the game or win or something. And you're also kinda of trying to win. Well, let's say you're a nice player. You want to find actual equilibrium. And so... Basically, yeah. It's on you, as the person who's providing this data, getting the service back, to do something about it. Yeah. And there should be enough people who are affected by it who also have the leverage to change it. Yeah. Some people might need to find alternatives that are like, decentralized or something i don't know mm. people should be careful i think for example the idea that, that actually the fact that like it's not like everyone has the right to use facebook maybe it should be that like the fact that it's like unethical to be part of a crowdsourcing of power that is bad, bad. it's almost like voting for hitler mm. right if you know that a bad or ill-intentioned mm. service exists and collects this data from you in a bad way that your data specifically is not something crazy like them having it is not going to make them rule the world but everybody doing it is like after a certain point it's like actually gives too much power away right with too too little oversight from from you or something like that Then that actually there should be some sort of morality around that because who, the people that allow themselves to be passive enough about this or careless enough to like allow people like these companies to have such power are doing the morally wrong thing they're actually being that negative on society or something like that pretty crazy but yeah i think people are probably it's on the people to be aware of this not the companies
0: yeah
1: i mean maybe maybe there should just be nicer companies that provide better like, if you find that inefficiency in the market, maybe you should just fix it. But, you
0: know, yeah. your will to fight against it, uh, like, when you go into an addictive substance, in the beginning, you can reason about it and try to get out of it. But you will notice, when a person is addicted, they will give you very irrational reasons for why they still do it. You know, they are in That's denial. Sort of and people do that with technology. So yeah. I think, in a sense, it is addictive that it breaks down your defenses. In that way, it's like extra unethical. Like there are a lot of people out there who have forgotten their autonomous voice and say, no, I'm just going to do my thing uh, and have some distance from technology. People are struggling with that all the time. Like a lot of people are so conflicted because I think there's their inner voice and then there's a thing that, but it is converting our mind. So you could say all of technology is consensual. You know, everyone's just using whatever they want to use. So whatever is happening is just whatever to choose. But you're also put them in some kind of feedback loop where you know what they're looking at and you're giving them feedback in the same way that they're giving you feedback. So you are programming this person to be kind of like the ideal consumer for what you have to offer. So it's yeah. kind of uh, unfair. Yeah, it is unfair. But,
1: yeah, it is definitely unfair. Um, but what can you do about it, man? All you yeah. can do is basically what I'm trying to say is we live in a world where you can't suppress you can only build on top of or build yeah. I mean top.
0: I also agree with what you said. I feel like I have my own personal responsibility for responding to this. Yeah. And this is why I don't have my phone right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just I just think okay I'll use my phone hopefully. I'm trying to do I'm trying to do things more locally in some sense. Uh like my notes I don't wanna take notes on a foreign cloud platform. I was hoping that I would build, you know I will probably do it, but have a. I wonder if the concept of a personal intranet might ever pick up. Could there be a sustainable way in which, like, everybody just have their own somewhat of a server, if it ever would make sense, or like, I don't know, some sort of I mean, nice encryption of uh, like a like a data bank, like almost like a, any app sits on top of a data. But you layer. don't
0: want the data to be centralized. So that's what I'm saying. Right. Imagine if There's I mean, de- something called Filecoin or the IPFS, the Interplanetary File System. Yeah. That's like a decentralized data bank. Well, but it's kind of slow.
1: What I'm trying to say is, I guess you could have a service that is a very serious service. Maybe even government is involved, in, or maybe not. I don't know, honestly. But it would be a data layer. It would be like Stripe, but for data be like the infrastructure for personal data. Mm. And absolutely build on top of it. So when you create an account on Facebook, let's say, Facebook is just almost like a view Mm. on data that gets stored and manipulated within the database. So it's Mm. like a DB Mm. that Facebook can play around with, Mm. but doesn't get to actually manage and store. Mm. So all the data... I don't know how this would work, but it's kind of like just completely storing the data or decorrelating it from all the services that use or collect or push back into the data i see but
0: wait i want to ask you something uh okay so tell me about any of your other trips
1: um let me think i had a trip recently in Morocco about um, what i want to do with neuroscience but it's kind of I just thought that I can definitely see myself working on vision and correlating vision with a lot of my interests, like the fact that I'm fucking blind, basically.
0: Are you blind? I'm
1: not blind, but I have high correction glasses, right? I see. So I hate this technology that is glasses to some extent because it's kind of old. And I'm not sure what the next thing is, you know. It's like, well, yeah, I, I'm kind of excited about that. I'm excited about optogenetics. It feels like, it feels like light is the literally the most popular information transfer interface in the physical world, right? Photons is how most information that matters to us gets trans transmitted, and building a photonic based kind of interface between the brain and a computer makes sense, and but I'm, you know I'm not sure if the Simon Labs setup is the right one for BCI, and I don't think they're focusing on that. I don't know if it would be. I guess you would call it BCI but I know there's other people like at and stuff that are doing like lensless, recording, stimulation stuff like that, and holographic stuff. Some other people are doing. So I was just I had a trip about this, and I was just thinking about a world where you could share, like share actual visuals with people. Like inject arbitrary visuals? Like how much would you, you just kill this technology? What needs to Dude, do? I
0: think it will be like even beyond our imagination. Because just think about this. Suppose I have some brain to brain technology that wants to I'm envisioning something in my mind I will be able to see. It. So yeah. you basically take some of those, you find out which of those neurons those are, and you go and put them in their yeah. analogous positions exactly, in your brain. Yeah, exactly. Now imagine that you take neurons from part A of my brain and put them in part B of your brain. Like, all the things that I'm hearing, take those and put them in the visual part of your brain. Like, we'll start experiencing, like, newer kinds of shit that we've never but, but not experienced before. Like, think about this. Yeah. What is We can take any part of your brain's like neural signal and put it into any part of my brain's brain I system. don't even think about it that way because
1: yeah. I mean maybe for simpler BCI interfaces it'll be that where like the way you read you kind of basically it's like you can think of it as reading and writing information right yeah. Sorry about that But basically the, the way you feel like yourself right and this kind of embodied experience and all this stuff and you feel like this self-consistent person it's something it has to do about all these different parts of your brain somehow self-index each other know the relative positions of each other in some sense i feel like we might develop a sort of setup or calibration mechanism such that you can build somewhat of a similar maybe not fully but similar kind of I don't know how, you almost build a nice highway or like a self-consistent highway where you, I don't know how, you know, again, I don't know how it works. I don't know if we know how it works, but Mm -hmm. if we know how things work, then we'll know how it works for inter-brain indexing. Therefore, we can build almost like the TCP IP protocol for -hmm. brain, like a sort of general API Mm -hmm. or how you sync with other people. Mm -hmm. And syncing with other people maybe means they have a public index of all the concepts that they're exposing to the outside world and it's just a bijection between all your concepts and then you can you can see the ones that you don't have and there's like a s- process of downloading them if you want or something like that i don't know but there's crazy things where you can just have different languages for speaking with other people in some yeah. s- or different modes or you know what config. i was just
0: thinking is imagine in the future a very advanced system of interconnection between human brains so that everyone's just on a super fast network all the time, Mm -hmm. exchanging information across all of the brains at the same time. And imagine that the consciousness stops becoming a personal consciousness and there is just this one consciousness of this hyper brain that's 7 billion humans. What would it feel like? to be that. Yeah, I, I always wondered, I mean... Like, we'd be hearing a billion voices in our heads all at the same time, and responding to those at the same time, like, hyperspeed mind.
1: I mean, so, one thing is, you know, if you... Uh, you know, remove all the connections between the different uh, left side and right side of your brain.
0: yeah,
1: Like, you do, you, you basically do split brain yeah, surgery. Then... You, you get two people living in the same body. Yeah. They're, and they can only communicate with each other from through the outside world, through signals yeah. Signal to the outside world. And almost, they almost just kind of do the, what is expected when they are in different situations. Each one sees different parts of the eye, uh, sight and stuff like that. And basically, the idea of what you said is the opposite. What happens when you link two brains at high bandwidth? Yeah. They both become the same person. If the operation splits into two, can you merge two people?
0: Uh, You know, when you you have split brain patients, they never say, I feel like two people. They say, I feel like one person. Sometimes, actually,
1: part of them, one half that is usually less dominant will feel very depressed and will try to suffocate them at night. Oh. So it'll be like one hand is trying to go,
0: the other hand is oh. to stop. Is but in, even in that moment, that person will not say, I'm feeling like two people. They'll say, I'm feeling like one person. It's just Maybe like they weird shit at shit that happening. point. Like they point. might know, but do they feel like two consciousnesses? You can't feel like two because they are actually
1: two. I don't feel yeah. like two. Do, do we feel like two? You know, I don't know what it feels to be you, right? So I, I just oh, yeah, feel like yeah. one. I don't so each even one know
0: feels... the existence of the other
1: one. No, the, the other. The, the other one is just, yeah, you can't see the other one. Yeah. You're both looking from the same perspective, so you can't see the other one. Yeah. But you know, you don't know if you are only in this side or this side. But yeah. you know that if I close this eye, nothing changes for one side's perspective. So basically, they have those problems of like, you show them something on one side and you ask the language side to yeah. talk about it or something like yeah. that. Yeah,
0: so how do you imagine it would feel like to be 7 billion people? Fourteen billion hemispheres connected together. I think
1: it would be very trippy and fun. <laughs> imagine, like, all these people are walking yeah. on different, like... Imagine this super crazy new world. There's different textures of grass and things all over the place. Yeah. And you just feel at high resolution all the different <laughs> steps. At, it's like, it's like all billions of Yeah, all at once.
0: Thanks for dropping by the Room of Lives today. Take care. Until next time. Music